Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. And welcome into episode 149 of Poke the Bear. That's Connor Ryan. I'm Evan Marinovsky. Connor, what is up? Evan, I'm doing well. How you doing? Doing great. Doing great. It's a bit of a lull with no hockey. Long layoff. Long layoff of no games. What am I supposed to do at night? Watch the Red Sox? Are you kidding me? Is that I all I got now? What? Come on. Even though I have a Red Sox shirt on right now. So I guess I guess I'm contradicting myself. Uh, but anyway, the Stanley Cup starts on Saturday. Now, we want to spend a little time talking about it. Because uh, there's a lot of local ties here. Whether it be Bruce Cassidy with the Knights... Jack Eichel with the Knights. Florida beat you in the first round, so there's that too. I think maybe people are rooting for uh, for Vegas to win and Jack Eichel to bring the cup to to North Chelmsford, or maybe Bruce Cassidy will bring the cup to, to TD Garden or Warrior That'd Ice That would be hysterical. That would be the pettiest, greatest thing in the world. It would be amazing. It would be uh, just, you know, the biggest middle finger you could you could give. Uh, I have a feeling he won't do that, though. I don't know. Seems I don't know. I don't think anyone's ever done that before. That'd be a, that'd be quite the bold move to to do that. And I'd I think Bruins fans it. would show up. Bruins fans would show up. I think, wouldn't they? I would imagine they would. Yeah. Also, anytime a Stanley Cup shows up, it's like if like I go brought it to North Chelmsford, but you know the Bruins fans showing up, being like, Jack, we should have traded for you two years ago. It'd be, it'd be people like that going up to him. So. Well, it's funny. Have I ever not told me, my... by the way? No, never you. No, 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 no. Not a former BU guy. Um, have I ever told you my story with the Stanley Cup? I have not, Evan. Oh, what well, is this it? is a perfect time. There's not a lot else to talk about, so might as well do this for a second. Uh, when I was in seventh grade, uh, I, w- I think I was a peewee uh, at you know for Framingham Youth Hockey, and uh, somehow one of the dads on our team knew the guy with the cup, the keeper of the cup. So I don't know how the cup was. In, this was 2011, but it was fall of 2011. Like it was winter of 2011. So it was like the, the Bruins had already kind of done their cup tour around the area with it. And I don't remember how, I don't remember why they brought it, but the whole idea was they were going to bring it just for our team to have it on the ice for a practice. And we could, you know, skate around and take pictures with it. It was supposed to just be our team. Well, the dad on our team told the whole town. And when the keeper of the cup showed up, he was like, what the hell is this? And the line, Connor, was around Loring Arena, down the street. I mean, it was 
an incredibly long line. People were waiting for hours and they, and, and somehow the keeper said, fine, <laughs> you can all take pictures with it. So I think our, my family's Christmas card that year was us with the cup, but we like my team got special treatment. We get to take a picture on the ice with the Stanley cup and, it was a really cool thing. It, It'd I be guess hilarious why... if the keeper of the cup was just like, you know, like you had one job, which is not to, to spew shit. And like, no, now we're sticking it away. Yeah. And again, that's how I remember the story. This story is also like 10, 12 years old. I heard the story when I was, you know, you hear it when you're in seventh grade. So maybe there was some, maybe there was an arrangement where the guy was like, you can bring it. And I'm, I don't know about that part, but from what I know, that was how it went down. Um, but yeah, I mean, crazy. And to think the keeper of the cup was just like, yeah, you guys can just take the pictures with it. We'll, we'll be here from, you know, 6 p.m. until, you know, 1130 at night or whatever it was. So it, it was an incredible thing. I mean, for the kid my age, that was, you know, the peak. You know, that was my Facebook profile picture for years, uh, you know. But um, anyways, I should have. I, I touched it. We weren't supposed to touch it, but I got I got like a little finger on it. So I guess that's why I didn't make the NHL. It was it was. Yeah, I went boop. And that was uh, that was that. But. Uh, anyways, Vegas, Florida, one of those teams is going to host, uh, hoist the cup for real, um, on, uh, sometime soon, <laughs> the next couple of weeks, never. maybe never. Um, I think this is a really hard series to pick. And I think yeah. this is a Stanley cup that, you know, last year was, was, uh, abs lightning. I didn't find that to be that hard. I thought it was kind of obvious who, uh, we, who was going to win that one the year before was Canadians lightning. That was kind of obvious the year before was stars lightning i guess there was a case for the stars but i don't know hindsight's 2020 i still think though that lightning team was a wagon um you know what the stanley cup was before that year i'm not going to go into that uh or any of those like it can't, oh, it's, yeah. that's not, i can't get it off the top of my head um but this is a hard one this is a hard one uh wh- what are your thoughts going into this series because it took me yeah. when you texted me like the the summer the the outline for this show it took me a couple hours of like really thinking like, huh, what, like, I don't even know what my prediction is, but I know what it is now. Yeah. What's yours. Yeah. It, it's really interesting. Cause you know, it, it's, I don't think the ratings are going to be that, uh, that great for this series, Evan. That's just my educated no. guess. But I think if you're just a pure hockey fan, it's a fascinating matchup and one that I'll be following along. Cause I think you're got, you know, Florida has that team of destiny feel, but also in terms of their play styles between them and Vegas, they're like kind of two, effective but contrasting styles like florida is very much like heavy on the four check uh you know generating chances down low whereas you know probably an offense first team i would say and then you've got vegas which i think is more structured defensively a lot of big defensemen but you know their forwards buy into their system um like william carlson's having like a unreal defensive uh series uh, or postseason um so that you know they're at their best when they're suppressing the other team, limiting chances, then a lot of their chances on the other end of the ice are through transition, um, which uh, when you have guys like Eichel or what have you, you can have kind of that quick strike offense. So it's going to be fascinating to see just which of those, you know, game, you know, which of those strategies play out. You want to say that the simple forechecking turnovers, those kind of things that Florida has kind of employed is the probably the most sustainable way to win. But I think it's all going to come down to, uh, the goaltending, right? Both teams have star players. Both teams have uh, guys up and down the line contributing. I think it's what fifteen different Panthers have a goal. I think like you look at the the fourth line for Vegas. They've got like William Carrier and all these guys have like two, three goals. Like they're Ivan Barbashev is their like yeah. third leading scorer on the yeah. roster. Yeah, like they they've got you know depth across. Which again, it's not like this is any. We're not breaking new ground here. I think every year people look for 
things that, you know, you can follow as a blueprint, but depth scoring is essential for all that. So both teams have that. I think it's going to just come down to which goalie blinks first, because I mean, both have been unconscious, right? But Rovsky has been fantastic, especially as, you know, the playoffs has gone on. Um, you know, there was a few games against Boston where he was, eh. but then like Toronto and Carolina, he was money. And then you look at, again, it's probably why we look at the goaltending for the Bruins as to why, you know, it might be a situation where they move on from a guy is got Aiden Hill, who was what number three on the depth chart. Now he's got a nine thirty six eight percentage two shutouts. He's been fantastic for them in an area of the team where if anyone was going to say, even before the year starts, what's the biggest concern with the golden Knights goaltending. And it's got, and it got even worse from there. And yet now they've got Aiden Hill who's leading the way. So I think it's going to come down to which of those two goalies, um, falls back down to earth a little bit, right? Because right now you look at everything else, stop power, scoring depth, um, coaching, all that stuff. Pretty even series, even if they are different styles. I think it's just going to come down to the goaltending. I agree. Uh, I, as I said, had a tough time picking this because as you said, they are, the, the teams have different styles of play and and all that. Florida's obviously been on a wrecking ball kind of crew, just like a wrecking, just a wrecking ball through the playoffs. I mean, after... The seven-game series against the Bruins just steamrolled the Leafs, steamrolled the Hurricanes. Here's their issue, though, and this is what happens when you succeed. Uh, you have a little bit of a layoff. Ten yeah. days between That's game rough. four of the conference final and the start of the Stanley Cup. And when you're an eight seed like that and you're relying on momentum and you're just going, 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 um, it, it it's when you stop – it's hard. Now I think the, you know they can carry the momentum, but teams are notoriously not good off layoffs going to the Stanley Cup final. Now Vegas is still getting a little bit of a break between their series and this. It's not like they're just, you know, starting and, and going. 10 days, man. Ooh, I don't love that. And I think if there wasn't a layoff and they just got right up and started going and both teams finished at the same time and went into the cup, I would pick Florida because I think they've just they've got it going. But I'm going to go Vegas. I'm going to go Vegas in seven for the series. And it's just mainly because I, I you know, uh, and it's hard picking against Florida. They've, they've proven us wrong every time, legitimately every time. Yeah. Um, I'm wearing a Florida street hockey hat, even though it has nothing to do with the Panthers. I don't know why I would, you know, pick them because that hat. But um, I think it's more so Bruce Cassidy and Jack Eichel get over the hump and uh, kind of take advantage of Florida lose, you know, losing a little bit of that momentum. Um, yeah. Just, you know, stumble up. What do you think? Yeah, I think it's absolutely valid. I think you can pick either or team and you can make plenty of very rational, you know, uh, things to support your case. I'll go Florida in seven. I just think it's going to come down to which goalie blinks first. And again, I think that layoff is real. But in terms of which goalie of these two has the more likely chance to stumble a little bit as this series goes on, I'm going to go more with Aiden Hill as opposed to Bobrovsky. And that's, again, Bobrovsky's not been very good throughout his tenure in Florida, but he's been around the block. He's won two Vesnas, all these things. Um, I, I think it's just something where I could see him being more even keel over the, the span of the series opposed to Aiden Hill, um, especially when I think you look at just what Florida brings, like, you know, whether it's their shots from the point with guys like Montour, it's Kachuk wreaking havoc down low, Bennett mucking things up. Like, you got to be kind of on your toes and, you know, ready for whatever – Florida throws at you and I, I feel like in terms of the, the goalie and being put in that spot and again Aiden Hill deserves all the credit for what he's done so far in this run but 
Um, I could see him being the first to kind of blink in that regard. But again, I think this is a toss up. It's probably the closest when you look at like either or since probably what caps golden Knights, right. In terms of like yeah, either one of those teams. Yeah. That was the last one. And that's my other thing I was going to say is Vegas has been here before and it wasn't like all that long ago. And I think that that loss, I mean, Cassidy obviously wasn't there, but Cassidy lost in 19 and Eichel wasn't there, but you know, like guys like, you know, Marsha. So and Carlson and Theodore, yeah. like they were there for that. And you learn a lot, I think, in in losing cups and trying to make it back. Um, but you nailed it though with the with the goaltending. I look at sort of you know the way Florida is able to capitalize on mistakes, and you know if Aiden Hill cracks a little bit, that doesn't help them at all. Now again, but maybe Bobrovsky's momentum, as I said, kind of ends with the with the Panthers because they just have that long layoff um, and staying locked in for that amount of time for the cup. Um, but you're right. I mean, this is, to me, it's a toss up. Ve- Vegas, Washington is a good one. Um, I remember go, this is going back to 2011, but like Bruins Canucks was a little similar. Like the Bruins kind of yeah. had a lot of that momentum going and, um, the Canucks were the best team in the West Vegas. Uh, who was, was Vegas, Vegas ended up being the best team in the West. No, it was, um, was I think it? they were, they, were they? Were, were, I think they were. I feel like they were a very good team all year through. I think people were like more or less. Unless I'm just missing someone, maybe like was it if they beat Winnipeg to get to the Stanley Cup final? Yeah, that and year? Winnipeg wiggled in at the end of the of yeah, the regular I, I season. I don't think I don't think if Vegas wasn't one out west, they were at least Vegas two, was one. Right, I Vegas think they were was very, one. Yeah, Vegas they were was very one. Long. Colorado and Edmonton were tied uh, for two because they were 109 points. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. To continue on with this Stanley Cup thing, and this kind of just came to me as we were discussing goaltending, if Aiden Hill wins it for Vegas and carries them past the Panthers and they win the Cup, do other teams, mainly the Bruins, start to look at their goaltending and say, huh, maybe it's not the best idea to put a ton of money into your goaltending. And sometimes it's just the guy gets hot. Bennington in 2019 was a good example of that. Now, again, it's hard to project that. It's hard to get someone in there and say, oh, this guy's going <laughs> to win, you know, all these games in a row and carry us to a cup and he has no experience. But does that change the outlook at all? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you look at it, right? It comes down to you. It's so very rare that you have situations where the, the odds on best goalies then like carries you, right? Like you can look back at like the days of like Marty Brodeur and all those guys making multiple runs, but like look at like Lundquist, right? In terms of how many times he got there, even if it wasn't really his fault. You need so much to go right uh to get to that point. And I think a goaltending, you know, as monumentally important as goaltending is it's something where it just depends on how you are over those couple of weeks in the spring right like it's well the problem is like vasilevsky's been that guy the last three right or like right. two out of the three right. so it's like that's strength in that you, case you have that yeah but then you look at like bobrovsky who has that pedigree for for years right and has been honestly quite bad in florida so far but then just gets hot at the right time and again 
if Paul Maurice doesn't go back to him like, and keeps on going with Alex Ryan, they're probably not even in the spot, right? It just shows you. It's Bruins Knights in the Stanley Cup. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh. Like it's, it's one of those things where it's so tough in terms of, you know, carving out that straight path. It's not like even in, you know, baseball where you have one or two ace guys that you can walk in and all things considered, you probably know what you're expecting out of them if they're anchoring this t- the top of your rotation in the playoffs. Goaltending, you're going with, you know, the best laid plans, but it's also hockey. It never really goes that way, right? So, um, again, it, if the Bruins want to break up this goaltending duo, like it's a tough hit because you kind of use them to win 65 games. But when you get to the playoffs, it all comes down to just who's playing the best. And, again, you can't use both of them. The Bruins sure as shit didn't in that seven-game series against Florida. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, it's a tough call, but it's something when you look at just – how both Florida and Vegas got there. It's something that I'm sure the Bruins have to weigh in terms of, are we, should we be committing nine, nine and a half million to our goaltending situation? When again, look, I don't know. I, I haven't checked how much Aiden Hill is making this the cap, but I can't imagine it's that much. And again, Bobrovsky's making 10, but you look at, you know, beyond before you got to this playoff run, Vegas probably looking at any way to move that contract before this year. Right. So hundred percent, it's a crapshoot, Evan. It is a complete crapshoot, and I think you just it's just how the cookie crumbles uh, come the playoffs. Uh, speaking of the cookie crumbling, buyout candidates. Uh, the buyout window opens 48 hours after the cup is lifted, uh, and then it goes until June 30th. Uh, last year, there were only seven buyouts yeah, uh, in, by that. in the NHL. There were only seven. Uh, this year, the Bruins do have a strong candidate, uh, got a name we haven't talked in a while, Mike Riley. Mike Riley yeah. could end up being bought out. Um he would be, if I have this correct, 333000 against the cap next season. And then the year after, he would be $1.3 million. Now, again, that gives you a lot of cap relief. That saves from either $3 million or like the $1.9, I think, if you bury him in the minors. Um, so you do save some money there. No, one's t- no one took him when he went on waivers. So I don't think that you're trading him. You don't want to give up more draft capital to just get the money off the books. It feels like this is probably the logical solution. Yeah, I mean, he's probably the only logical in terms of buyout candidate. And yeah, you got to do something to get that money off the book, some regards. And again, who knows? Maybe they kick the tires again to see if anyone wants him. Because I think we were all kind of surprised that no one took him off waivers last year. Because again, he was kind of put in a shitty spot where should not have been buried in the AHL all year long. Still, I think, a very solid player for what he brings. And you look at all the teams out there that could use a body like him on their decor. I mean, you put him with, we mentioned before to like the Blackhawks, he's from Illinois, have him on that team, play 82 games. He's probably getting like 35 points. You either keep him or you flip him for an asset. So um, I could see them trying again with a guy who's, you know, only is on the last year of his contract, try to move him uh, to see if you get anything back. I think it's more of just, even if that's a six round pick or something like that, you move him just to get that cap dump without having that, 1.3 1.3 million against the books next year. But if it doesn't work out, yeah, I think you have to have a situation where you have to buy him out. You have to do something just to get that contract off the books. Definitely is not the only move, but has to be one of the dominoes that has to fall. So we'll see kind of what that trade market looks like, but would not be surprised if, if you know, the, the, if there's no positive way of looking at how they can move him without having to loop in a, a prospect or a, anything like that as a sweetener. I think you got to buy him out. I would rather them buy him out than uh, give up a prospect or draft pick to get rid of him. You're right, though. I mean, a team like Chicago or a, I mean, we said this all season, a, a lower team that needs a top four defenseman who can just kind of 
gives some level of production, but isn't going to prevent enough goals in their own end that uh, you can still tank. Like this is your guy. I don't, I, you know, so, I mean, again, maybe it's kind of like the Bill Belichick approach where they just kind of wait for them to hit the bargain bin and pick them out of there. And that's what they do with Mike Riley. Cause I do think he should be playing in the NHL. Yeah. Um, again, the defensive uh, deficiencies are real. And, you know, again, it was kind of a tease what, what he was in 2021 when they acquired him. Um, but I still think that he should be playing somewhere in the NHL. Just yeah. not, not right here. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Um, in terms of the roster next season, we're going to do a fun game where we pick one forward or one player uh, to step forward um, on the NHL. It's on the NHL roster, so it's not... Fabian Lysel or Mark McLaughlin even, or Johnny Beecher. It's a player on the roster who uh, we expect to take a little bit of a step forward next season. Uh, I will let you go first, Connor. What, who is your pick? Yeah. Um, that's probably an obvious one that could be thrust into a very critical role next year, but I'll, I'll go with uh, Pavel Zaka, who I think is someone who could, you know, can and should continue to build off of what he showcased um, this past season, especially when putting that top six role, uh, not just in point production, but I think he has room to grow defensively. I think you listen like the Bruins, their final press conference. They really liked what they saw when they had that top six of, of Zaka and Coyle. It's not to say that they're all gun ho about going with that same top six <laughs> next year for 82 games. But I think having at least one of those guys, namely Zaka in the top six, is something they're comfortable with. And I think a full season there, not only should he seem to thrive with the extra minutes, but I think there's a lot more room to grow offensively, right? Like there's one thing that, all season long, they talked about with him is, you know, shooting more. He has a really good shot being thrust into more of that role where not only do you have, let's say it's, you know, him with Pasternak and who's it going to be Hall Bertuzzi, whoever it is, it's going to be a pretty loaded uh, line that he's driving if he's there and Krejci's not. So, you know, this is the guy that could get 65, 70 points. It also factor in the power play time, you know, like he could be a guy that could be put in a bumper spot. Um, that can shift things around there. So I think he has a lot of room to grow. Um, and I think he's a guy that can could continue to take a step forward. You look at that contract he signed and what he gave you over the full span of the season, it's a pretty bargain bin deal for for what that that contract is and the production you got. And if he's you know fixed in that top six role moving forward, could look better and better, which at this point you need. If considering the cap situation, you need if you have a top six guy like that, he can give you 60 plus points a season. Um, not too bad. You take that. You take it. I agree. He's definitely one. Another center, I'm not going to make him my pick, but Trent Frederick. Um, he's a guy that, former first-round pick, we've both kind of said we don't really see him moving out of the the bottom six, but you know maybe he elevates into a, a third-line role or something like a more consistent third-line role or if somehow they needed him to, to play center, um, whether it be on the fourth line or third line. I don't think he's going higher than that. Uh, that could be a step forward. But mine is Jeremy Swayman. Yeah. Um, he's been good. He's been solid. Um, but if they do trade Linus Olmark, the, the onus is on Swayman to be a legit starter, to to play the majority of games and to be fresh for um, for the postseason. And again, he has the makeup to do it. Like, 
he was peppered at Maine. He's got that cool personality that typically works in the net. Like, I think he, I think he'd be fine. Um, but I think that, you know, if, if Omar goes, I think he's primed for a step forward. So um, he would be my pick uh, for a, for a little step forward next season. Um, any other picks? I mean, DeBrusque would probably be one. We'll get into it more later that's, on. That, yeah, DeBrusque that's probably the only other one I had, but I think he's a guy that he's here. Again, it depends on maybe who his center is, but you look at a guy who was on pace for 37 goals or already two games last year. Um, you know, for him, it's all about, I think, just making sure you avoid the lulls and consistency. But if he's fixed in a top six role, especially with Mark Shandan, Bergeron's back, I think you like what you get out of him. But again, that also then raises the question of what kind of contracts he getting the year after that. But he's a guy that I think you're going to need to deliver next year if he's still here. And he has not even the potential. He has the means to do it. If he's healthy, he can give you... 33, 33 to 37 goals if he's out there, 82 games. He's not, what, what, what was our other stat? Like the 60 goals per 60 or whatever that awful <laughs> stat we had for DeBrus that one time that yes. people still tweet at me about occasionally. You're not expecting that, but if he's healthy, you need him to be a legit 30 goal scorer. And I think he is. I agree. I mean, I, like he was on pace for it this year. Another person to step forward, not on the roster, but uh, Jim Montgomery. It's another one. It's another interesting one. Can he step up? Can he move the needles? There's something they can do in the regular season that they didn't do this past year that sets them better for the playoffs. Um, I begin. I was beginning to watch the last behind the B of the season, and then I just I saw that. I had to go to bed, so I was like, I'm not. I can't watch the rest of this. But um, it, it should be an interesting watch to see them shift and, and, and get ready for the playoffs, and then it all kind of fall apart the way it did. So. Not great. Uh, Connor, what can we look forward to from you over at Boston.com and the Globe? Yeah, we're going to have you covered uh, every step this offseason as we continue to trudge through these very sleepy weeks of, of June. Right, Evan? We're getting we're getting through it. We're getting there. We're trying our best. Um, you know what I always yes. say, Connor? If we could get through COVID. Yes. And, and, and like that pandemic long thing that we had nothing, we can we can do this. So absolutely. Um, but yeah, we'll have it covered throughout this off season, free agency, trades, draft, dev camp, all that good stuff. Uh, so please read over at Boston.com. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can at Connor Ryan on 493. Go do all that. And remember to go subscribe to New England Hockey Journal. That is Connor Ryan. I'm Evan Marinovsky. You poke the bear listeners. Have a great rest of your week. 